Good morning, everyone. Today, we're going to be continuing on in our Dreams for CLC series. Now, over the last few weeks, we've heard many dreams and hopes for our church. Pastor Andrew and Pastor Ben kicked us off by dreaming of a church where Jesus is proclaimed and the Holy Spirit is moving with tremendous power. Pastor Eric shared his heart for experiencing God intimately, which leads to a life of joyful obedience. And Pastor Calvin reminded us that it's okay to not be okay in a church that strives for emotionally healthy spirituality, where safe space creates brave space. Well, today it's my turn. You guys ready? Today, I dream of CLC becoming ascending church. A church that makes disciples and then sends them into the world to shine the light of Jesus in the darkest of places. About a year and a half ago, uh, our staff team was actually asking this very question about dreams for CLC. And we dedicated a whole afternoon for this big brainstorming session. Each of us had time to go off on our own, pray, spend time with the Lord, and see what God was stirring up in our hearts. And then we would come back and share them all together. Now, in my time, I ended up drawing what I felt like God was putting on my heart. And I actually went back to my old journal and found it to share with all of you today. Now, forgive me for my, you know, stick figure drawings and total lack of artistic skills. But here it is. I believe Frank is going to show it right now. Now, as you can see in this picture, there are these little people who go to church. And at church, they experience the power and transformation of the gospel. They find healing and love in Christ. They're trained and equipped through God's word, prayer, and worship. But then they're sent out. They don't remain inside the church. Rather, they're sent out wherever God calls, globally and locally, to make disciples of all nations and to be Jesus' hands and feet in the world. You see, the Church of Christ was never meant to be static, never intended to simply stay in place or to be built up for our own gain. She was meant to be sent sent into the world to be a light to the nations, just as Christ was sent to us. So I'll say it again. I dream of a church that makes disciples and then sends them into the world to shine the light of Jesus in the darkest of places. Guys, the reality is this, is every single time you leave the doors of the church, or nowadays leave the Zoom room or the Facebook live stream on Sunday morning, Every single time we're sending you into the world, to your families, to your workplaces, to your community, to the poor and oppressed, and across the globe to those who have never heard of the love of Jesus, we are being sent. So what what does it even mean to be sent? And what does becoming a sending church even mean? Well, to understand this better, Let's start by answering three questions. Number one, by whom are we sent? Number two, why are we sent? And number three, how are we sent? Okay, question number one, by whom are we sent? Well, let's turn to John 20, 21. Now, this verse has kind of become John's version of the Great Commission. 
For context, uh, Jesus's words in this verse come as he appears to the disciples for the first time after his resurrection. It says this, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Right? Jesus says, as the father has sent me. Okay, so the first thing he does is he points us back to God, the father and his mission that sent Jesus to the world in the first place. You see, ascending church begins and ends with the God who sends. This is where our identity of being ascending church starts. It starts with God. We must recognize that God, our father, is a missionary God. He is a God who sends people to further his mission of restoring and reconciling a broken world back to himself. A mission to bring salvation, hope, and new life to the lost. He's always been a God who sends. I mean, remember remember Abraham? God sent him to become a blessing to all the families of the earth. Moses sent to deliver the Israelites from slavery and help form them into God's people. All the prophets sent by God to communicate judgment and hope. John the Baptist sent to prepare the way for the Messiah and ultimately his own son, Jesus Christ, sent to save and redeem humanity by dying on a cross for our sins. As ascending church, we recognize that God is the one who sends people to accomplish his mission. And as Christopher J.H. Wright says, God does not have a mission for the church. He has a church for his mission. Ascending church begins and ends with the God who sends. Okay, question number two. Why are we sent? Well, in Acts 1.8, Jesus leaves his disciples with these words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So why are we sent? so that we would be his witnesses, so that we would testify to the good news of God's grace, so that we would make disciples, like Teacher Lynn said, of all nations and bear witness to the power of the gospel that saves. And it's so that we would be ambassadors of Christ to the world. Second Corinthians 5.18 says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God sends us to be witnesses to the reconciling power of the gospel. We bear witness to Christ that God's mission would be accomplished so that people would be reconciled to him and be changed so that his kingdom and mission of justice and righteousness would flourish and ultimately so that God would be glorified here into the ends of the earth. We are sent to be witnesses to the reconciling power of the gospel. All right, question number three, how are we sent? As the Father has sent me, 
even so I am sending you. As witnesses, we are sent out like Jesus was sent out. Okay, now you might be thinking, Caitlin, what does that look like? How was Jesus sent out? Are you talking about, you know, being sent overseas? Are you talking about going on mission trips? Are you talking about caring for the poor or feeding the hungry? What exactly are you talking about? Well, yes, I'm talking about all of those things. Is it local? Mm-hmm. Is it global? Yeah. Is it seeking biblical justice and advocating for the marginalized? Yes. Is it evangelism and sharing the gospel? Also, yes. You see, if we take a look at Jesus's ministry throughout the gospels, what we find is a holistic mission. We not only see the gospel of repentance and salvation that he proclaimed, but we also see a gospel of transformation, healing, and liberation. We hear his words commissioning his followers to make disciples of all nations, proclaiming the good news so that every nation, tribe, and tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. And we see his ministry bringing good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, sight to the blind, and liberation to the oppressed. Jesus did both. If we are truly sent as he was sent, we must embody Christ holistically by doing what he did and what he continues to do through us. We must declare using both words and deeds that Jesus is king and he's bringing in a kingdom of righteousness, of justice, and of peace. As witnesses, we are sent out like Jesus was sent out. Are you guys tracking with me? Let's recap really quick. Number one, ascending church begins and ends with the God who sends. Number two, God sends us to be witnesses to the reconciling power of the gospel. And number three, as witnesses, we are sent out like Jesus was sent out. Now, these three things are really important to remember because every single time we leave the church, we're sent out into the world. We're sent into our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces and communities, and we bear the name of Christ. We are his witnesses. We are his ambassadors. We represent him and his mission. And guys, that is a great calling. But it is also a great responsibility. A few weeks ago, our nation and Congress suffered a terrible attack on Capitol Hill by insurrectionists inciting violence and threatening our democracy. As we lamented and grieved and processed this event, many Christians were extremely disturbed that some of these acts were committed in the name of Jesus. How could Christians do such a thing? How could such violence be done in Jesus's holy name? If we don't learn the ways of Christ, how he was sent, what his kingdom truly represents, what his mission was, we won't represent the true gospel. When we are sent out into the world to bear witness to Christ, when we take on that blessing and responsibility, it is just as John the Baptist said, he must become greater and I must become less. 
We're not sent into the world to further our own agendas. We're sent into the world to be ambassadors of Christ and his mission. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. All right, you might be thinking, I get the idea of being sent, but where does the church fit into all this? How does the church become a sending church? Well, the answer is simple. The church's role is to make disciples. I'll say it again. The church's role is to make disciples. If we look at how God's kingdom spread in the book of Acts, it all goes back to a church committed to making disciples. I mean, take a look at the church in Antioch. Let's read from Acts 11. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Okay, so you see what's happening. So some preached to only the Jews, but then some shared with the Gentiles. And as a result, the gospel was planted among the people of Antioch. And God opened their hearts and a great number believed. And this news travels fast back to the church leaders in Jerusalem. And they're kind of curious So they send Barnabas to go and check out the situation. And, you know, when Barnabas gets there, he sees this emerging faith community in action. And he confirms it and he knows exactly what needs to happen next. So he goes, he finds Saul, which we later know, um, known as Paul. And together they begin making disciples in this new community. Verse 25 says this, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. For one whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught them and discipled them. Do you ever wonder what they taught in that year? (laughs) Well, it wouldn't surprise me to think that they probably took a page from the early church's playbook, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. The apostles' teaching contained eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, right? I mean, these are the guys who saw him calm the winds and the waves and heal the sick and perform miracles. They saw him spend time with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. They learned from him how he loved people, how he fed the hungry, how he cared for the poor. They saw him be put on trial, tortured, put to death on a cross and buried. And they saw him rise again three days later and ascend to heaven in glory. They must have seen these things, poured them into the church, his teachings of love and justice and salvation. And then as the church began learning about these things, they began making disciples who were committed to God's mission. The same thing happened in Antioch. 
When the Antioch church heard about a great famine plaguing the land, what did they do? Immediately, they felt called to send aid, a collection of relief back to those affected in Judea. You see, as they grew in faith, in knowledge, in love, and in wholeness, they also grew in generosity and compassion and love for others. They became became a church with an outward focused perspective, a church that made disciples of Christ committed to God's mission. Verse 26 says that the disciples at Antioch were actually the first to be called Christians or little Christ. Now, this label little Christ was not something that the believers themselves started calling each other one day. It was actually how the outside community started to see them. The outsiders actually saw these followers of Jesus as little Christs. They took notice that these disciples were different, that they carried themselves differently, that they lived selflessly, that they emulated Christ in every aspect of their lives beyond the walls of the church, so much so that they earned the name little Christ. See, the church at Antioch was making disciples and sending them out into the world. And it wasn't just locally, it was globally. Later on in Acts 13, we see that the church in Antioch actually ends up sending Barnabas and Saul out on their missionary journeys to spread the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Even though Antioch was a young church, they became a sending church to their core both to the local community around them and across the globe to the places where Christ was not yet preached. How? Because they made disciples who were committed to God's mission. Guys, that's the church that I dream to be a part of. I dream of a church that makes disciples and then sends them into the world to shine the light of Jesus in the darkest of places. And I believe that we can be. I mean, I'm hopeful because I already see us moving in this direction. So what does it mean for CLC? Well, I think it begins with asking us the same question. Are we making disciples who are committed to God's mission? All right, let's go big first. As a church, are we committed to God's mission? If that's a yes, then we can begin to ask how CLC is called to engage in God's mission. I mean, let's start local, right? Imagine that that CLC is sent to advocate for justice in the Bay Area. What might that look like? Well, it could look like this. Starting this week with with the help and guidance of our social justice compassion team, CLC has decided to set aside $8,000 each to partner with two new ministries, Project Peace and Siaku House. Project Peace is an organization that pursues biblical justice by activating churches to serve the local community. And they do things like day of service, which our church has attended uh, in previous years. Siaku House is actually a ministry under Project Peace that disciples previously incarcerated people providing housing, as well as life skills, resources, and training to help men reintegrate into society 
and continue in ministry. Imagine being a church that radically and generously devoted our time and resources to helping those in need all around us. I mean, imagine being sent in that way. Or maybe think globally. What if CLC was committed to raising up and sending out missionaries to the hardest to reach places where the gospel is not yet preached? I mean, for a long time, CLC had been praying and hoping to send out our very own homegrown missionaries to the field. And after many years, God answered that prayer by stirring up the hearts of our very own Pastor Andrew and his family. And by God's grace, we will be sending them out this coming July. I'm just dreaming big here, but like imagine sending out five more people in the next five years. Like, wouldn't that be incredible? What would it look like if as a church, we started discipling our kids and our youth at a young age and teaching them about God's heart for the nations? Or even think individually right now for you. Are you committed to God's mission? If that's a yes, then ask yourself, in what areas am I being sent out into the world? When I leave this service today, how can I shine the light of Jesus in the places that he has called me? Maybe it's getting to know the neighbors on your street and encouraging them during this COVID season. Or sharing the gospel with family members who don't yet know Jesus. Maybe it's taking time out of your day to stop and have a conversation with the homeless person that you pass by every day. Or it's wrestling with how to pursue biblical justice and anti-racism in your circles. Maybe it's loving a coworker who's difficult to love. The possibilities are endless. In my own story, I admit that I didn't always see following Jesus as being sent out. For 17 years of my life, I claimed to be a Christian. And yet my faith had never compelled me to look beyond myself, beyond the walls of the church. My faith was about me. It didn't really affect other people. But the day that I truly encountered Jesus, everything changed. On that day, I, you know, I don't know exactly what happened, but I remember I was in my room crying about something, and I remember that suddenly the gospel became clear to me, and I understood it in a new way for the very first time. On that day, I knew that Jesus saved me, that he died for me, yes, but not so that I could go on living for myself but he died so that I might live for him in his glory and his mission to reconcile the world to himself. On that day, my life was no longer my own. It was his. And at 17 years old, sitting on my bedroom floor in tears, I prayed a prayer that changed the whole trajectory of my life. I said, Jesus, wherever you call me, wherever you want me to go, Whatever you ask me to do, I am yours. Here am I, Lord, send me. What if we prayed that for our church? 
CLC, may we dream to be a church committed to God's mission, a church that not only makes disciples who love God and love people, but who is sent out to serve the world. May we devote ourselves to the teaching of God's word, to fellowship and to discipleship, so that we might emulate Christ and his kingdom in our witness. And may we become ambassadors of Christ so that the gospel would be proclaimed in word and deed here into the ends of the earth to the glory of our God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for being a missionary God a God who loved the world so much that you sent your own son to die on a cross for our sins. Lord, we ask that you would be molding us into ascending church committed to your mission. We pray, Lord, that you would fill us up and send us out so that your name would be glorified in all the earth and that the gospel would be proclaimed. Help us to be your ambassadors, your witnesses, so that the light of Jesus would shine through us in the darkest of places. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.